This is a Taming the Ferrets experience. Hey, Tony, what have you been up to? <laughs> hey, Demo. Hey, this week, I, well, actually, it was a couple of weeks ago, played a game of golf with a guy. Quite an interesting chap. And then I was out in Tapuki, and then I saw him in Tapuki. A couple of days I was in Papama, I saw him in Papama, and then I was in Aramarai, and I was like, saw him there. I was like, who was stalking you? I was like, hang on a minute here, what does go? And then I was in Gretchen, and I'm like, what? Who is this guy? And then I played another game of golf, and he was here as well. I'm like, who are you? What are you doing? What are you doing in these different locations? I'm asking customers and whatever. And it turns out that he has a whole variety of pharmacies. And, okay. And he's a young guy, right? He's younger than me, but he's definitely yes, he's here. And I thought, man, you must have a good story. Young guy, multiple locations of pharmacies. How many ferrets do you have to tame to do that? Sounds like you should have him on their podcast. Why not get him on the podcast? That makes sense. No point did I ever think that I'd be dispensing medicines. Like, to, be, to be honest, I didn't even hadn't stepped foot in a pharmacy until I was made to as a pharmacy student. So growing up, I mean, I grew up in Tottinga, right? So I went to Tottinga Intermediate, went to Tottinga Boys. I mean, I didn't do too badly at school. So there was reasonable pressure on that front to pretty much do what was expected. None of my family had ever been to university. So that was the first step, was go to university. I, I did have like, felt like I needed to go and do something that's generally helpful, that helps people, you know, and helps just generally with society. A collection or a group of ferrets is called a business. Taming the Ferret shares and dissects the stories behind local businesses, the founders, entrepreneurs, leaders, influencers, figureheads, operators, and employees. This show offers key insights, tips, tricks, hacks, and breakthrough moments, and the stories of who these people are, why they do what they do, and where they do it. Tune in to hear the stories behind local businesses, local people, and for all those that want to tame their own ferrets. Welcome to New Zealand's most awarding business podcast. Here we go. And welcome. We're back to Taming the Ferrets in the studio. Who do we have, Tony? We've got Sam. So, hey, Sam. Hey, Sam. How's it going? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Sam, who are you? Where are you from? And what do you do? Well, I'm a pharmacist and I'm from Tauranga. I own and operate a group of pharmacies across Tauranga. That's what I do. Yeah. Sounds impressive. So in the group, how many you got in the group? Currently seven pharmacies. Seven. Wow. Oh, and so that comes with its challenges? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> are they all individually owned? Different owns or under as a group or? They're under different companies. Right. Yeah. 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 Run them as separate cost centers. That makes a lot of sense. You can see the performance of each cost center. Make yeah, it. correct. And it allows you an opportunity to sell them off in the future if that was an opportunity because you've identified its profit and losses, its gains, its bottom line performance. Yeah, there, there is that, but it's also due to regulatory requirements oh. within pharmacies. Do you use a lot of locums? I try not to, no. Mostly because it's just easier to deal with people that customers have been dealing with for a long time and see regularly. I mean, it's a very important part of healthcare and job. It is so key to offer that differentiator, which is knowing your customer because of the proximity to your market. But more importantly, there's just so much competition that comes from some of the bigger players that are in that space. But when I when I reflect back on sort of 2009, I think there was this massive merger that took place between Amcal, Life, uh, Medicare. So pharmacy brands and Life Pharmacy. Yeah, you're talking about. Yeah. So the reverse merger of those two. Yeah, yeah. At the time, I think one was worth 20 million, the other was 36 million combined. Correct. Yeah. And that would have caused a nightmare in the provinces with respect to. Having an Amcal on one side of the road, a Unicam on the other, and all of a sudden... They're both Unicams. They're both Unicams. Yeah. How did they reconcile that? What was the logic? 
uh, they don't really reconcile it to a level of the person that's in those pharmacies individually. They reconcile it based on the ability to connect with the community on marketing and brand being one similar brand, whereas previously trying to communicate to New Zealanders with five different brands on the front of a magazine is very difficult. It's still difficult. I mean, they still have life and Unicamp, so that still is a big challenge. And it's a bigger challenge now than it used to be. Talk about an industry that's been under enormous challenges. You know, not only from a retail point of view, you suffered the consequences of COVID, and we could talk to that in a moment, but it's trying to understand what do you actually are you as a pharmacy? You know, it's one thing to dispense prescriptions, but then coming under attack from some of the bigger players in Australia is also something to be considered about how you navigate that landscape. And on top of that, you go into a recession where across the road you've got someone with a similar name. <laughs> it's just like you must have come across nearly every cul-de-sac and stress that's possible to a small business owner. Really. So I'm fascinated to know how you've navigated that. I mean, just like any small business, there's one foot in front of the other. And I mean, in terms of competition, that's a normal and natural thing in, in all industries, except maybe a select few, you know, being probably doctors. Monopolies. Um, yeah, there's not. <laughs> duopolies. There's duopolies. Uh, I mean, I guess you could still argue there's competition in that market. But you you can't consume yourself with what the competition are and what they're doing. The most difficult thing for pharmacy to reconcile with competition is their balance between ethical and quality care. Juggernaut that has billions of dollars behind them to purchase market share. Mm. Whether New Zealanders see through that stuff sometimes or whether they just take advantage of it at times is up to the individual. And we have been noticing significant changes in the industry, but also in the consumer over that period of time as well, where where they've had negative experiences in terms of healthcare through larger big box sort of outlets versus the number. community. You've got to know the prescription. The prescription's got to be right. You've got to know the individual. Yeah. It comes with. It's also just accessibility. Yeah. In terms of communication. So like whether you answer the phone or whether you come out and talk to them or whether they can get questions answered. That's a big factor. And that's been taking quite a bit of time for some consumers to understand. So they've had to go away and experience that lack of care mm. to then reevaluate whether they value the care. But you also see a difference in, in the consumer across the age groups, whether they, as, and as they age, the value towards healthcare and quality advice changes significantly as, as we all get older and those things become a little bit more important to us. So from then the competitor landscape, it's you're just providing better customer service. Don't worry about what the competitors are doing. Stay on track on what you're doing. Focus on customer service. Focus on the customers, what they actually want, yeah. need. 100%. And deliver. Yeah. I mean, the key thing is delivering, and that is definitely the hardest part. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff that we're going to unpack there from marketing challenges, compliance, regulatory issues. But before we get onto the pharmaceutical, Sam, let's talk about Sam. <laughs> yeah. Because how, I mean, how old are you, Sam? You know, you've got, you got more hair than both of us, Emil and I, put together. <laughs> yeah, i got less facial hair, though. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> At least you can grow somewhere. Yeah. So, you know. You know, you know you th- most people think pharmacy and they'll think grey-headed guy, you know, been around for a while and probably some of the pharmacists out there, but you have to start somewhere, right? And someone like yourself, reasonably young, seven pharmacies under your belt, that's intriguing. So, you know, you can just give us an age range that you're currently sitting at. Well, I'm in my 30s. There you go. Yeah. So, 
in your 30s, so tell me why pharmacy? How did that come about? Why in, why in the pharmaceutical? Firstly, you don't look in your 30s. Obviously, you've got no stress in your <laughs> Wow. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of stress now. <laughs> it's all about how you manage it, which again, we'll get on to how you yeah, manage yeah. stress. Uh, yeah. Sorry, what was that, Jane? Yes, I guess, um, and growing up, you grew up in Tauranga. Yeah. So what, what did you think? You know what? I'm going to dispense drugs for a living. <laughs> at, yeah, what, at no point did I ever think that I'd be dispensing medicines. I, to, be, to be honest, I didn't even hadn't stepped a foot in a pharmacy until I was made to as a pharmacy student. So growing up, I mean, I grew up in Tauranga, right? So I went to Tauranga Intermediate, went to Tauranga Boys. I mean, I didn't do too badly at school. So there was reasonable pressure on that front to pretty much do what was expected. None of my family had ever been to university. So that was the first step was go to university. I, I did have like a, felt like I needed to go and do something that's generally helpful, you know, that helps people, you know, and helps just generally with society. Is it a three-year degree or is it post-grad or? Uh, yeah, so it's four-year degree and then you have a one-year working internship that has numerous assignments throughout it and then a rigorous, what they call OSCEs exam at the end of year. So from Tango Boys to university, what was the point going actually, yeah, pharmaceuticals or biological chemistry? To begin with, it was just I wanted to pick the university the furthest away from home. And I heard Otago was I've pretty got, fun. I've got six um, kids and five sons and they all got the same opinion. And, and uh, so Otago, I was like, yep, that sounds like a lot of fun. And it's got the pathways to a lot of things that interested me a bit, which was healthcare in general. I mean, generally, most people that are interested in healthcare as well you do find is not always, but across the board, had to deal with either like just minor ailments themselves or um, or conditions or have had family members and things that are involved with long-term care or grandparents or what, or have some sort of experience, right, within, with those sorts of things. And so you're joining up with a bunch of people that are very similar-minded and have the same goals when they hit university. Which is party. Yes. Sleep in. Yeah. Study at the last minute. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, there's all that. Yeah, there was... It's, it was a good time. <laughs> it's a large distraction, but it does ground you quite well as well. Work ethic, self-responsibility. Yeah, because you have this ability to go off the rails and you find out whether you stay on the rails or go off them a bit. Interesting. And it's not a bad thing because you get to find yourself a bit quicker and, and find out what challenges you and what distracts you. So finish university, do your apprenticeship as, as I say, step into a pharmacy, back to Thailand. From there. So I had the joy of exiting university during the global financial crisis. 2007, 2008? Yeah, end of 2008. And um, it was an interesting time. There was even, it's funny that we that there's such large staffing issues across everywhere now, but then people weren't interested in having intern pharmacists. Yeah, so it was quite difficult. It was actually very difficult getting an inter- internship across New Zealand. And on top of that, everyone that I went to university with pretty much went to Australia because, well, not in terms of pharmacy, but in other, all other walks of life, because there just weren't the jobs here. So when I exited university, yeah, it was difficult. So I actually ended up doing an internship rurally in Matamata. So the benefit of that was really that I could go back home, try and save some dollars and, and drive to Matamata on a daily basis. So you went to university to get further away from home. Yeah. And you came back to try and get close to home so you could save some money. Yeah. Well, I found out the hard way, you know, <laughs> that money doesn't go far. Yeah. You know, by yourself and far away. I mean, Dunedin is a great place for um, being a little bit cheaper to live. But it's a student loan. Yeah, yeah. So big student loans and things like that. But yeah, you start thinking about real life. I, I th- you don't really think about 
loans and con stuff when you're at you know consequences really when you're when you're at university and so when you're leaving and you're stepping back into real world yeah that stuff comes up quite quickly and you go ah need to uh knuckle down a little bit here and get on top of it yeah get through this and get ahead back ahead i mean especially because a lot of the people that didn't go to university that i know were significantly further ahead than me Mm -hmm. um, by a long shot they had bought houses Mm -hmm. before i'd even got out of university yeah yeah, yeah, I know a few of my friends exactly the same. You know, yeah. through college and houses, climbed the corporate ladder, done very, very well for themselves, laughing at us with our student loans. Yeah, yeah, they were laughing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I, it's a seesaw effect. It takes time to. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, matter matter, and that was a rural apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah. So it was great. That's good community out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really was lovely it, people. Wasn't vet- veterinarian pharmacy? No, no, no. It's yeah, human. And there's a lot of that going on out there. <laughs> no, not horse racing community. Oh, they're in there. Well, they, they, yeah, they, I mean, they just go through the vets nowadays. Yeah. There is the odd thing that they still get through pharmacies, but majority is through vets now. And so how long were you in um, in that apprenticeship and that? Oh, I was in Matamata for two years, but yeah, one year of internship and then a year as a pharmacist. You know, then I did a bit of traveling overseas and, and you quickly realized that Tauranga is actually a damn good spot. Not that um, yep. You know, didn't think that growing up. I thought it was... But it was a bit, escape. bit boring, but as soon as you're away for a bit, you do find like, hey, the quality of housing here is quite good. The temperature is fantastic and temperate and magnificent beaches and then not so far away is some lakes and oh, bigger cities. And especially if you're raising a family, raising kids, you know, yeah. and you kind of tend to go back to where you were raised. You do, yeah. yeah. I mean, you hope that your parents would help support you in those endeavours. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you obviously got, got kids and partner and stuff like that. So how many kids have you got? We've got three children. Three children? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so what, did you meet overseas or back in Tauranga? We met in Tauranga, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yep. yeah, so that's, we, after your overseas excursions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, after overseas excursions and hers. She usually was overseas for a number of years as well. Yeah. Cool. Yep. So so after that, you know, you decided to come back. When you were overseas, I guess you were, you know, you were a qualified pharmacist at that point. Were you working in the industry internationally, I guess, overseas? No, you can't. Yeah, that was going to yeah. be my next question. <laughs> It's so regulated, yep. and it's the same way in reverse. Like you can't get overseas pharmacists to work here. Yeah. So you obviously did a whole lot of stuff while you're overseas, but you can obviously keep that qualification, keep that license to in perpetuity. Was it? Yeah. Well, I wasn't overseas for too long. Right. You know, I didn't have enough money, and it was just a get out of dodge and then experience a bit of the world. It just went hard, and then you know ran out of money and came back. <laughs> So that wasn't much of an issue. I mean, because the continuing education side of things, it's only a few exceed lucky here. Yeah. So going from there, and I'm going to put a broad brush time frame on. So from there to now, 10 odd years, from coming back from overseas to seven pharmacies. Yeah. So talk me through that or talk us through that journey on, okay, I want to come back. I'm in Tauranga now. Or what am I going to do? And was it that the law? Was it a plan yeah. of world domination or was it a simple case of you ad hoc? Fell into it. Yeah, a bit of both. I mean, if you don't have any ambition, you wouldn't, you don't achieve anything. So you, you got a little bit of both. I mean, a lot of it was coming back and and wanting to actually do something, even just within like your career, right? Um, and you're wanting to be not just an average pharmacist. You want to be a quality pharmacist. You want, to, and if you have those sorts of qualities where you want to be not just an average person amongst the team, then things, those sorts of things stand out and people identify those things and so then they come and talk to you. So the doors open as you perform. And so about coming back and then knuckling down again and getting stuck in, getting some dollars back in the bank and then trying to just make a better pathway for myself. 
it's an easy thing to fall into, especially within pharmacy to just be a pharmacist. And there's not a lot of pathway in that front. Your pharmacist already, you know, like you've been through university, you tick that box and you do the internship and you become a registered pharmacist, you tick that box and then kind of that's it. Next step, maybe it's managing a pharmacy. So it was about looking further into the future for myself. It was like, well, do I just want to be a manager? What's the next step? And do we have any next steps in New Zealand? Because New Zealand is a bit smaller. Um, there isn't things like area managers, or pharmacies or retail outlets, or there isn't necessarily like professional service pharmacists or regulatory pharmacists, or things that do exist a little bit more overseas because of larger entities. So it created a little bit more of a narrow focus on what I wanted to achieve. Yeah. So when you thought, okay, the next step for me is obviously pharmacy or pharmacist to business owner. Yeah. You know, owning the pharmacy. You know, that I can hear the kind of the heartbeats going then around, like, holy cow, that's a, could be considered quite a big leap for some people. But you would have quite thought, I hope that's the next natural progression. I want to own a pharmacy. This is why I want to own a pharmacy. And then going from that to actually, let's do it, rinse and repeat. I mean, was there a mentor or was there somebody that you're talking to going through that that can talk you through that? Or is it just something that you decided to do and thought that's the next progression? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I have a great business partner that's been in pharmacy for a lot longer than I have. But it was more about, I mean, it, going into ownership is a scary thing, especially when you're a, you've studied and going in and you're into a profession, right? You tend to naturally fall into a bit more of a conservative mindset. And so you start looking at, well, you're putting your whole livelihood on the line and all you're saving and then huge amounts of debt. And it can be, regardless of how confident you are, or it takes its quite a big toll and does make you very nervous. And I think in the first step, I had to really, you know, it's kind of like bungee jumping. You just close your eyes and jump and you just hope the rope's still attached, you know. And 99.999% of the time, it is. The business is, it is about being courageous in business when you make those kind of decisions. Yeah. So, and it is relative as well. And I guess having that business partner that understood the regulatory process and the compliance stuff that you needed to do as owning a pharmacy, was there much difference between owning and being the pharmacist and zero in terms of the compliance stuff? Not really, because you're, you're already doing those things. Yeah. But, you know, you're learning more, it's just more financial side of things. You're not really doing much of that as a standard pharmacist, to be honest. So, no, there's not too much regulatory stuff that you learn in that front because yeah, it's already a requirement of what you're doing. Yeah, it's just a, it's a, just a natural add-on in terms of how we're going to... Now, the compliance is ACC, health and safety, IRD. <laughs> so, the business running compliance rather than the pharmaceutical. Yeah, and it's and a lot of the time it's about building like just nice basic structures around those things and then hopefully setting and forgetting a bit more than constantly plastering. You can't get it wrong with a great best practice management system because is it part of your license to have a method of doing things, a procedure and a compliance or a guideline? Well, there is in terms of how you operate a pharmacy, yes, mm. uh, especially on the professional side. So you, you that's just a requirement of having standard operating procedures across everything that you do within the pharmacy. So, yeah, so you do have all those things, yeah. So obviously the, when you're looking at, okay, I'm going to go into business, I'm going to own a pharmacy. And that you mentioned your business partner has been in pharmacy in the pharmacy game for a while. And were you working with, with that partner before you approached them or they approached you or how did Yeah, so I was I was working with them and they and you know and, and I'd approached them. Yeah. Um and then there was a no and then they approached me a little bit later. I mean we're like, Yeah, actually you're doing extremely well and can't do I'd rather do this with you than um without your sort of thing. 
But I mean, I was really thrown into it to do it myself. They don't get themselves too involved at all with what I'm doing. So there's something to be good. said about that whole setting yourself up to succeed approach by demonstrating quality and delivering quality and then pursuing excellence. And as a consequence of that, opportunity presents itself. Yeah. And it's also very attractive for customers and repeat customers. In an industry that went through quite a flux in that 2009-10 period for all sorts of reasons, strategically, how did you differentiate yourself? You touched on it earlier in this episode about the relationship that comes, the unique personal relationship that comes with supporting community. Would you say that was a, one of the key differentiators that allow you to compete? I mean, early on, I didn't actually think about that stuff too much at all. It was just about doing the best job I could on the day. It was only once that you're doing expanding in terms of multiple different sites that you start thinking about those things a little bit more clearly, especially as you can't do them yourself. It's very easy when you're doing it yourself that you're quite narrow focused on what you're wanting to achieve and how you want to achieve it. I mean, it's actually reasonably easy to do it yourself. And especially on a, not a small front, but like on a very, you know, small to medium front, it's, it's relatively easy to, when you're doing majority of that stuff yourself, because you, you, you can get... You can't underestimate a management system. I touch on it again, because mm. simply in most small businesses, small medium businesses who don't have a great management system are dealing with exceptions on a regular basis because people are interpreting what's to be done. And so they're not following a due process or a procedure that is hopefully a best practice one. And so when you have got a best practice management system, it does allow you to scale and it does eliminate a lot of the exceptions that should pop Yeah. And so as that was part of your world from day one, it's not the norm for other industries, but it has been a mitigating factor in your scaling. Yeah. Which has come as a part of the industry, which is a blessing in disguise. Yeah. It's the benefit of having, it's, there's blessings in, in terms of having professionals within your um, industry or workplace because- you know, there's a lot of ethics. Pre ethics, there's pre-education and minimum standards that, that those individuals have already had to meet and at least exceed in, in, in a lot of areas. You know, but there's downsides there as well. There's, we're going through a situation now where there isn't many of them. And so, yeah, there's benefits and negatives too to that situation. So your business partner came along and you just, and you decided, yeah, we're going to get into ownership. You're going to jump in there and, and going on that point that we're just talking about, you had the minimum standards, you had your standard operating procedures, which... You didn't have to think about in terms of how the business was going to run, um, but it was more about the scale, which makes scalability a lot easier. Yeah. So, you know, what was the thought process going from, right, I'm, I'm in one now. What was the time difference between going from one to, oh, there's another one for sale, or, and we'll come to how that, you know, well, let's start with that. Well, the next ones and the ones that you've acquired or purchased or set up or opened, mm. Um, yeah, tell us about those if there's been an amalgamation of all of the above or is it going to hey look there's, a, there's one that's the owner's retiring we're going to buy that or we're just going to take them over or you know we're going to come with global warfare or <laughs> so I mean it's it, it, I mean when I when I got into it um, I, I purchased two at, to the, at the beginning um, so I begin, began with two um, so I already had those challenges of like, um, you know, how do you keep the, you know, standards and qualities at a certain level, um, at a different site. Um, thankfully that site was very reasonably close. It was, you know, walking distance. Um, and so you're recently, um, involved, um, with that. It was actually only five months later that I opened a new pharmacy, um, in Pipma. So, um, so that was, there was, a 
so quite quickly I was facing completely different challenges because you you don't have standard operating procedures. You don't have anyone that's existing that does um, anything within that site because it's a bare bones and you literally put every single product on the shelf and um, and then you're having to deal with um, opening audits with say like Ministry of Health and 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 so you can't put anything in there until those things have been passed and um, and so then you're dealing with time frames and um, licenses to operates that haven't existed before etc so um, so I went through quite an accelerated learning path with um, with business and and with pharmacies through that period um, so I went from two to three in five months and um, yeah and dealing with a place that wasn't profitable um, to begin with as well which was uh, is again a different different thing from purchasing something that's existing um, and already has a lot of those systems and, and people that have done that stuff for years. Did you model what you had done elsewhere? I mean, you have to. Uh, it's all as a starting point. Kind of, kind of all you know, right? Um, but then your purchasing behaviour or your habits or your analytics or your data will then reflect a different community. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar. They're all very similar. Um, okay. Yeah, it's quite interesting how similar. That's helpful. Um, everywhere is. There's very small mm. differences um, in different communities, and but most of it's about how they interact um, with a with a place. Um, you know, uh, depending on whether they're older or younger demographics. But a lot of totting is changing so, so rapidly that those demographics, doesn't matter where you are, those those things have changed even in the last two years compared to um, you know seven or eight years ago. So, with with in terms of you know your your existing ones versus the new one Greenfield site that you had to build up, marketing wise, is there regulatory or compliance issues that you have to face when when you're marketing, and what you can actually promote, or you know, yeah, there's is this one. Hey, we're open now, yay! But that's what I'm going to tell you, or is it mostly that's all you can do is say, hey, yeah, we're open. Um, there is there is significant regulation around uh, marketing. Um, I mean, you can market anything that's not regulated, right? Mm. So, in terms of a general sale sort of product, um, which you'd find, you know, anywhere, anyway, um, you you can market, um, you know, through those things. And, but when it comes to um, pharmacy medicines and stuff like that, it, it is a little bit tighter. You can you can market at those mm. those things, but um, you know, technically, there's a lot of things that. Do get marketed, and it's just in a bit of a grey area out there with what some people are doing. But um, is that regulated by MedSafe? Uh, it's regulated. Oh, it can be. Yes, it can be regulated by MedSafe because it's, it's under, I think, the Medicines Act or regulations. Oh, but, I heard that there's only two countries in the world that advertising of pharmaceuticals takes place, and it's America and New Zealand. Correct. You heard that. That's correct. That's crazy. That New Zealand is part of that. Yeah. Reference. So. I mean, we're also like America, where a significant number of medicines can be sold through a supermarket, whereas you'll never find that in the majority of other countries in the right across the world. Interesting. Like um, paracetamol, for example, um, most countries, maximum you could buy outside of a pharmacy would probably be six tablets. Because it's an ingredient for methamphetamine? Paracetamol? No. Or is there any elements of those types of painkillers that could be used? Not really. No. No, it's it's about paracetamol. Like a pack of twenty, a pack of twenty is enough for somebody to cause death. 
well, um, so so overseas they've relayed that down to make sure that there is you know significant you know at least some potential for advice and um, interaction with where they are purchasing it. Interesting. So in terms, in term, I'm going to go back to the, back to the marketing stuff again, and and how you know you're, you you mentioned as unprofitable, and marketing is also talking about hey to, to to the doctors and to the general healthcare community, saying hey look we're 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 here, you can send your referrals to us, we can send your prescriptions to us, and I guess that's what of how you built those ones up. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, just professional relationships yeah. with um, different areas. I mean, a lot a lot of um, and good market and given good customer service, right? Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's just number one. But um, because if they don't like you, they ain't going to come see you. Um, but no, I mean, with pharmacy, um, you know, there's localities so big, um, so your location. So that's the one of the major benefits. Yeah, I mean that I would class that as our marketing. Um, is you know where you are. Um, so you happy to pay the rent? Yeah. Well. Yeah, of course, yeah, but um, he's not happy to. He's just <laughs> happy to be in the location that. Well, demands. ultimately, you don't have to spend money on marketing. And you don't know which part's paying. You know, if yeah, if it's a century turn. Yeah, so a lot of it. So a lot of pharmacy stuff. I mean, is yeah, in terms of marketing, revolves around your location. Um, that's just number one. So because if you're not within a certain distance of people, um, then they. They don't have the opportunity to come and see you, or they will choose not to because of, you know, it, it, there are too many barriers in their life to, you know, get to you. Um, then they won't get to you. And again, and going back from because you know you and we t- we talked about it before, multiple pharmacies, multiple different types of pharmacies within a one kilometer radius. Mm. Yeah, um, and because all they want to be in their location or in that shopping mall or. Where, wherever that may be, but the customer service delivery, knowing and getting the loyal customers and the raving fans, um, that's that's a big thing for where you guys step in and yeah. you want to be sustainable and growth and give back to the community, right? Yeah, I mean the the most yeah the, the number one thing is is how you can interact with your community and and how you know them. Um, and the ne- the second part of that is providing more and more services to reduce their need to venture out further from their locality of their community. Um, That's interesting because you would think that the DHB would want less people to go to the emergency department and rather to the likes of a pharmacy when it comes to certain things. Yeah. I appreciate the PHO has got a role to play, but there's something to be said about certain administering of certain things that a pharmacy could be doing. Is that the case? Is that where it's, yes. it's going? There's millions of things that pharmacies could be doing to help support the reduction in um, people venturing to an ED. However, um, money is a difficult thing when talking about governments because people notice um, services more often when they need them. So if you're needing them, right, and you're needing an emergency room, then you're gonna scream to the rooftops about it if you can't, and and so but so the it's a bit of a bad feedback loop because then they need it so there's more money, more money, larger, more staff, more everything, more people go to the ED, and it goes around in circles and causes a bottleneck which yeah. perpetuates the problem. Unfortunately, to to redirect 
funding from secondary healthcare to primary healthcare is an incredibly difficult um, beast to change. Because if you're re-diverting it, A, it's hard to prove how much changes occur within a growing community as well because ED might stay just as busy Mm. um, even though um, people are getting cared for um, more in the community. Hey, you're halfway through the current podcast that you listen to. I hope you're enjoying the show. Now's a great time to hear from one of our sponsors, which is thepodhub.com. Unlock your podcast potential with our all-in-one podcast service. Welcome to the future of podcasting at thepodhub.com. We offer an all-in-one podcast service that caters to your every need. Whether you're a DIY enthusiast, prefer a collaborative approach, or want us to take care of everything for you, we've got you covered. Do it yourself, unleash your creativity, or do it together, collaborate and amplify, or done for you. Professional excellence, simplified. Ready to revolutionize your podcasting journey? Join us at thepodhub.com and tap into the power of your all-in-one podcast service. Sounds great. Now back to the regular schedule program. Interesting how it's one thing to have policy change, but it's important to have the compliance. And if they haven't got the policing of it effective, then they can make the policy change in grandiose strokes of a pen. But ultimately, it doesn't. nobody can manage it to the detail that's necessary to work out its effectiveness. Yeah, well, you say? it would be very difficult. I mean, um, and for example, we've just had the minor ailments um, scheme throughout pharmacies in New Zealand through um, June, July, August, September. Um, and we noticed this huge reduction in um, demand on um, GP services, for, especially for young kids, um, because we could inter- intervene. But I, but a lot of people didn't even know it existed. Wow. Um, so coming back to marketing, it's very hard to market um, a lot of things that we do. Best kept secret. And yeah, it was free. Um, it was free for all. Um, yeah, so young, that, young children. So how, how how would you get that message across? How do you how do you kind of leaflets? You know, posters in store. I guess that's the that's the well, even the one of the million dollar questions, right? Well, even the Ministry of Health advertised it hmm. um, to get people's. Um, attention, especially when it comes to healthcare, like I was saying, like people's health, attention to healthcare is generally around when they need it. Mm. And so, if you're marketing to people that hey, we do this service or that service, they don't actually take it on board or think of it or remember it, Until unless it was it. something that they needed that day um, or the next day, or just in some sort of generally close proximity. From hearing it, so advertising uh, is all about understanding your customers' pain points. We see, and you get to cut through. Yeah, and so in the case of pain, in this case, it's a great motivator because people, when they got pain, I got a sore tooth, so I got a headache. They want to answer really quickly, unless you got the message in front of them at the time. Yeah, I mean, the, reason. well, I, I didn't, I didn't know that there were eight tire shops between one of my offices and home. And I only know that now because I counted them because I need new toys. <laughs> yeah. Beforehand, I don't care. That reticular activated <laughs> system's working. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we can all, all of us, we only can retain enough, you know, certain informa- quantity of information, you know. Deletion um, pages, yeah. You know, and some people can retain a little bit more than others, but at, at the end of the day, even those people, you know, you, you live within your own sphere. I heard Google Maps have brought out five more, five more AI uh, functions or benefits or features that are really make it easy for you to look at your map and they identify. In your case, Tony, the tire shops, as you're driving down the road, they pop up on your map. Do they, do they change, change my tires? Yeah? <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Yeah, I bet that I bet they do that. It only happens because you googled it once, and yeah. And the, but the problem is you've already got your tires fixed. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And now you get everything <laughs> all the time. So, so, um, so again, going going from going back to seven until and we're going to keep keep asking until until we get to the seven, Sam. <laughs> that's right. So, so two, three, you know, start up another one, um, and then you think, okay, I've got that one sorted. That one's making a profit now. Then on to four. Um, so then I went that to, wasn't making a profit. So then, just decided to do another one. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. So, um, so one year after opening the new one, um, so within that following year, I decided to purchase my first home. Um, and also, See, this is cool. You had three businesses and and didn't have a home. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so I purchased my first home. That was that was probably more stressful than purchasing a business because it was um, it was the absolute housing boom. Um, so. Money pit. So I, th- I thought I'd pretty much broke myself overpaying, um, as everyone does when they're buying the first home. It gets emotional. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was good. I mean, I, you know, bought a house that I really didn't want, um, because that's what you do when you're buying your first home. <laughs> you compromise. Well, if it's for the missus, then ultimately you don't have a decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so. So that that was yeah. So during that following year, um, to that then um, and then uh, purchased another two pharmacies, um, at, and took those over on the first of December, um, of that that following year. So so when you purchased them, so they were for sale, or did you approach the? Uh, the these these ones fund? these ones were for sale. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. So um, you know, so I had to you know put in um, just like a, a blind tender, right. Were they retiring or moving? Uh, yeah, they were retiring. Wow, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, there's certain industries with professional professional industries: the accountants, the lawyers, the insurance agents. As people retire, they've got books and businesses that they could offer or promote, but they find it really difficult to exit. And so, there's a unique opportunity to bar those type of businesses. Yeah, um, insurance. Oh, I mean, I mean, the whole reason it was a booming housing market was the other reason why, um, you know. Somebody like them, them was able to sell a pharmacy reasonably well, and they were the low interest rates. So it was low interest rates. Um, so they took the profits. And the um, well, <laughs> yeah. So that, um, because it was low interest rates, you know, um, you know, people there wasn't as much restriction on on um, on loaning and capital. So uh, so there was a lot more competition out there, and and people were very active within the market as well um, within pharmacy. Um, and um, yeah, only ten days before that, um, my first child was born. So wow, um, cool. Yeah, so um, he just turned seven yesterday. Wow, is it? Um, so you'll be moving out of home soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Ru- I mean, I, I you know, you don't, you don't want to rush those. No, things, you don't. Nah, some days you're like, yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Empty nesters. <laughs> <laughs> just got out of the uppies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. No, so, um, yes, yeah, so that was a that was a big yeah that was a really big learning curve. That part was um, was it was a big year um, house house new child and mm. and a couple more pharmacies. So um, and it was a it was a different different challenge as well. Um, the, the especially going from three to five um, children. No, I know. <laughs> no, I yeah, you had eight, eight children. You know, it was six children. Then five pharmacies and a newborn. Yeah, so it was it was more around that um, when you when you're going to um, five, where the 
the further that you expand in terms of different sites and locations and um, and we are um, it, it puts a different perspective on um, everyone so like in terms of the person that's um, running it or the person that's in the shop or, um, and and also um, it's a different perspective for um, you know in terms of the community as well um, they I mean, communities don't like change too much either, um, and so it was. There's always there was quite a lot of different different challenges. Mm. Yeah. So how do you navigate through that? Because um, ultimately, our audience is small business and dealing with change is something that people are confronted with. Yeah. In your case, it looks like you just step into it. <laughs> yeah, I kind <laughs> of just, I kind of go head first <laughs> and um, then work it out. Yeah, and, and then work it out. And and I think there's a certain element of like that. You have to do that. Mm. Um, there isn't really anyone out there that you know teaches you these things, and and unless you're willing to learn and, and adapt um, as you're learning them, uh, you know, I, I would find it. I would have found it very, very difficult. So, it was is there a is, was there is there a plan? Was there a plan to you know go from pharmacy to pharmacy to pharmacy to to, to grow or to scale? Um, you know, and were you thinking, I want this type of lifestyle, and this is how I'm going to get it? Or is it? Oh, there's one for sale. Ooh, ooh, oh, you know, a, a, a the magpie pharmacist that, that goes, that, that looks like a shiny one. That looks good. <laughs> let's go. Let's go for it. <laughs> it sounds it. Man. And, um, but no, it was it was more around the fact that um, pharmacy is is something that it it, it draws you in and, and locks you down um, quite a lot in terms of working within them, and it's also not a it's actually quite a tight business um, in terms of um, it's very, very low margin. And so that's why a lot of previously, you know, a lot of owner operators, um, you know, were pretty much living and working and breathing you know, um, that single pharmacy every day. Um, and and there, that wasn't really something that um, appealed to me all that much. And so, yeah, I had to create a plan of, of how I could um, – not do it, but not be that pharmacist. Well, the scale comes economies of scale, and there's an opportunity yeah. to take some of your backroom skills. It's interesting that you say that, um, but it, it, it's actually it's actually um, both. It's not. It's a, there are economies of scale, but then there's also the reverse as you grow. So um, as as you're a small um, and and multi site, um, you can actually run incredibly lean. Um, but and then, but there is actually a tipping point where um, those economies of scale actually go backwards. Interesting. And is that productivity gains, or is that uh, just overhead structure? That it's overhead structure in terms of management um, significantly increase at a certain point. You need middle management to manage people and blows you. Over. Yeah, there's that, um, and they're also just not as. And, and then it's finding out how invested they are, um, and whether they do things to the standard or level that you would. And then adapting to having different expectations for those wow. those that situations. is a massive they're just dealing with um, well being active uh, actively disengaged individuals learning a whole new skill set because your workforce has got bigger yeah all of that is just so outside of what you originally signed up for which was dispensing medicines yeah but it's a skill set that you could apply across almost any industry but it's not unique. Even though it's a small team, it's yeah, and it's it's just fascinating that you know I've never had any formal education on that front, um, and well, I don't think I think it's interesting that quite a few people don't actually into small business. Um, yeah, yeah. 
we t- we tend to we tend to jump in and and learn it as we go and you know seek, Stop swimming. yeah and, and seek the answers from by yeah by assimilation of by doing it <laughs> yeah. so in, in terms of the managers that you have in these pharmacies and, or or the middle management are they um, qualified pharmacists themselves or or is it Generally, the managers are qualified pharmacists, yes. Um, just because you have laws around you, you actually can't even open the doors to a pharmacy without a registered pharmacist on site. Right. Um, you know. So, so how, are you, how are you finding these people? You mentioned before there's a labour challenge. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, you can't find them actually at the moment. Yeah. Um, so considering you can't even import them for sake yeah, of a bit of time. You can't import them. You can't, um, can't manufacture them either. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, and uh, and and we're losing quite a few out of the industry, and and like I said, it is a it's quite a tight margin um, industry, and because of that, um, you know, over the last twenty five years, um, pharmacy funding through uh, Ministry so Ministry of Health to order is um, has been below inflation um, throughout those twenty five years, um, where wages have exceeded that. And so it's it's gotten tighter and tighter and tighter, and and the wages still haven't kept up with other industries. Um, and I think that's been quite difficult. But it's not solely that; it's it is actually quite a fast paced, like hard kind of like long day hard working role. Mm. Um, I know we don't all like imagine it to be like that, and I didn't imagine it to be like that when I came into it because um, I wasn't really hand stepped into pharmacies mm. um, before kind of diving into it. Um, that yeah, it is. It, it's quite taxing, and so a lot of the um, you know, especially a lot of the older ones, they just don't have the energy for it. Um, and so we've seen the workforce get younger, um, quite significantly. And and with that, and challenges understanding how to manage them. Yeah, well, a lot of because you're losing um, a lot of the older ones, they have significant experience over a long period of time, and, and so the industries, yeah, yeah, and a lot. So the industry's and, lost and, a lot of that. And they're no customers. Yeah. They know a lot of people. They know the community. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they, yeah, and they use, and a lot of the older ones stayed in communities for a lot longer. Mm. Um, whereas you, we're noticing with the workforce, um, the younger ones are much quicker to just hop around. So, with, and, with, and, with, and with the younger people coming through, and that's new graduates, and is, is, is yeah. the, are the numbers of graduates still there? The, the numbers of graduates are there. The number of enrollments to university to become pharmacists, is that, yeah. are they still However, there? However, the last three years, we've had a huge um, issue with um, pass rates mm-hmm. um, at, the, at the internship level. So, for example, last year, there was a 47% pass rate wow. at the, um, after the internship. Wow. Um, the year before that was fifty six or something percent pass rate. So you need to study at school pharmacy or chemistry or what do you would suggest you study at school on the way if that's the route you want to follow? I mean, just sciences in general. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you can do it. If I mean, it's like anything. If you've got a, if you've got a passion for something, you'll learn it and get away and and get there in the end. Can you identify the why behind the pass rate being as low as forty seven? <laughs> I, You're not an expert. It's uh, it's something that um, the pharmacy council have not been incredibly transparent about, so we don't know. Interesting. So, how do you, from a health and safety point of view, how do you manage smash and grabs, retail theft, all those sort of challenges? Um, thankfully, we haven't had a lot of, um, especially um, after hours sort of issues. Um, I mean, the, the pharmacies are pretty pretty secure. I mean. Oh, I, we definitely have had just recently in the last couple of months um, an uptick in, re, in retail crime. 
um, and how do you deal with those? We were actually just discussing that with one of my teams this morning, and um, and and it's it's frustrating because it is a bit of a joke. Um, you know, uh, you know, you can't stop them. Um, you can't ask them to empty the bag, um, and uh, and they kind of just they know it and uh, and they abuse it. And um, interesting, yeah. And um, unfortunately, we don't get an amazing response from. I know Walmart closed course. five stores in America in bad areas. Walmart, yeah, that's equivalent to you know warehouse in New Zealand because of theft, and there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah, I think so it's maybe, interesting how the we've got our society is moving in the direction of desperation. Yeah, a lot of people don't. I don't think I, sign up for that. I guess everything, everything's a bit of a pendulum. I guess on those fronts, right? You know, in terms of society, like we'll go towards like you know, um, you know, going the softer route on things and you know then it'll swing back and we'll get we'll have to get firmer i guess we'll have to be the way it goes otherwise you know you can't keep going that direction (laughs) i'm just aware of the time but the technology is something that interests me really a lot and i've come across in your in the uk in the eu where you pour in all your pharmaceutical into a funnel and it gets allocated into shelves with barcodes, and then when you're at the point of sale, you order whatever you want, and it just suddenly pops up. Yeah, yeah there's a sale. couple of systems like that. There's, yeah, I think one of the largest ones, Rydal. Don't know if that's pronounced right, but um, so German um, robotics. I mean, that works in an industry like Australia, where um, the medicines are funded and um, and purchased in Australia to into Australia as full packs. Mm. So um, they're dispensed as full packs. Whereas in New Zealand, we've definitely got a much um, focus on cost reduction, um, but creates significant extra labour locally, yeah. um, where we can't really utilise robots, robotics like that. I mean, we, I do have robotics across the pharmacies, and um, but they're more for like personalised medicine packing, um, and and so that's about filling a robot with um, with medicines, and um, and then um, based on their medicine requirements, they go into a certain daily. Um, daily or specific time dosed um, sachet dispensing. Yeah. So, um, methadone is quite a <clears throat> big thing in Australia with respect to dispensing using that technology and software. Is there anything that you use? So, j- just where I'm, where I'm going with this train of thought is there's certain tasks that are best performed by a human being and they're just more cost effective at this point, which is encouraging for the future. Um, and the with respect to recruitment and ongoing uh, employment for people who choose that industry, uh, would you agree with that? Um, and sometimes a tech, there's not a, a tech necessarily a tech solution is better than a human. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that, and especially when it comes to like what we we're talking about in terms of knowing your community and 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 who they are, and you know, and how they're feeling. Um, but that's a hard payoff. Yeah, that could be but, done. At- but the the other technical side of it is generally it comes down to who do we blame. Interesting. Um, so it's a no robotic pharmacist. Yeah. <laughs> no, it just well you can't blame them. So, but they won't regulate <laughs> regulate for it. Oh, okay. So, whoever bought the unfortunately healthcare actually revolves significantly around about around who you can blame, um, which is a bit of a negative way to perceive things and how we deal with healthcare. But it's the same for all healthcare people. Um, we all aren't under that same uh, microscope. Yeah, it's interesting. So three kids, um, seven pharmacies. Yep. Um, 
and 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 obviously home life. Um, that's what are you <laughs> that's taming a lot of ferrets. What is your um? So what's your daily routine, and I guess the lifestyle that you're that you're getting used to, and what's and what's the next steps for for Sam? So let's start. Let's start with you know what's what. Well, the you know it's like any parent. Um, you're getting up and you're um, fighting your way through um, getting your kids fed, <laughs> make sure that they actually put some clothes on, um, and they understand how to read the time and and, and trying to get out the door. Um, I mean, from there, you know, it's it's. I mean, even before, even before then, um, you know, it's about. Um, you, you know, you switch on work-wise quite early, right? And um, and so you're, you're dealing with, um, you know, it starts with like dealing with, you know, who's sick and absences for the day. Have mm. we got enough people in, in the right areas, right? And, and then you're moving on through the day in terms of like, um, you know, generally making um, quality lists of, of actionables for the day um, and then nailing those as quickly as you possibly can through the day that then you have some sort of like achievables. Um, that you've achieved and and um and then look on and go cool tick those boxes and we've made some progress on that day and then and then a um and then a lot of it is also just going around um and talking to the teams um that'll be understanding those challenges um yeah it it is definitely helpful um it's got its positives and negatives sometimes you can be a little bit too accessible and and absolute helplessness and um yeah a little bit of that but also um it's it's more about um, you know, people would like you to fix things for them. Um, you know, and so where they probably could do it themselves. And so sometimes not being there is also just as important um, to allow them the um, space to give it a go and, and maybe they get it wrong. Huh. Um, and then that's something that you, you can teach. So we, we there'll be a lot of stresses. In, in the role, we kind of started off with uh, with you managing stress, and there can be quite a lot in the role. Um, how do you how do you handle that? You know, with, if, if there's a stressful situation coming up, and how or how do you de stress de, de stress, I guess, or regulate it um, without 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 the use of medication? Of course. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, it's one rule in pharmacy: you know, it's, it's just don't touch drugs. Um, you know, so I mean, in terms of um, stress. I mean, every everyone has stress, right? Um, and I think the the thing is is actually identifying what's valuable stress and what's not. So um, a, a lot of what you know, I mean, I experience the same stress that everyone else does with every other little thing in life, right? Um, but it's about identifying that and going, well, it's not actually really an, a, a valuable stress. It's not something I can control or change, or, um, or something that I have any ability to. Um, do anything about and um, and then there's the ones that you do have the ability to change right and the best way to deal with stress that we are is identifying the things that you can change or do or um, or action and then um, and then really diving straight into them um, and and then you're altering um, you're kind of almost altering your consciousness around what that stress is and, and that you have control over it yeah they call that neuro Plasticity. Yeah. When you step towards a noradrenaline event, you get a hit of dopamine. Yeah. Which rewards you for stepping towards the stressful event. Yeah. And then perpetuates it. Yeah. And then and then you find that those those stresses reduce as you um, dive into and 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 make those actionables. Yeah. 
Um, you know, but it, and, and there is also an element of just different people can cope and deal with different stresses, and it all depends on on obviously the length of time you've experienced stresses. Sometimes it's a debilitating, right? you know, because early on, um, you know, uh, becoming an owner. I mean, I was I didn't sleep. You know, I'd get nauseous overnight about you know how I was going to pay the pay the bills and pay the debt. And um, and only over time and experience of having that and going, you know, ah, oh, well, ninety nine percent of the time it's actually been fine. Um, I'm not going to worry about that one percent. Um, and and so over time and experience, it does get better and easier as well. And and and, and not when, what not once did you mention go out and play golf to no. de stress? Because <laughs> does that add, does that add more stress? Yeah, that just adds more stress. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> That, that's a that's a that's a self loathing loathing um, <laughs> activity. <laughs> so what's next, Sam? What's next for you? For you know the next you know your 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 firstborn's just turned seven. Yep. Um, so the next five years, you're now going to have a couple of seven other seven year olds in the house. Um, yeah. So what what's what does the next uh, few years look like for you? What's your next plans? Uh, I mean, the next uh, more golf. Uh, golf. A lot of it's yeah, is rec- reclaiming a little bit of life. I mean, um, definitely. Definitely invested a lot of myself into um, getting to where I am. So it's about reclaiming a little bit of that and reclaiming a little bit of time. Um, and, and a lot of it's actually around family family time. Um, so definitely want to be able to reclaim a little bit of that um, and, and then involve myself a bit more in, in how the kids are and, and their education. I mean, and their sport. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you guys probably the same, but when you're growing up, um, you know, the parents used to work quite long hours and, um, and you didn't see a lot of them. And so it's about trying to trying to adapt to, uh, that that into something um, a bit different where I, hopefully I can have a bit more time and, and be at these sports events a bit more and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but equally, it's about, you know, finding um, yourself time as well um, is quite important. So trying to do a little bit of that. Uh, and then, but on the um, business and work front is, is to continue to charge on and um, consolidate and expand um, at the same time as but you know those things come with. T- I mean, a lot of it's timing, and, and sensible decisions. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you know, you if you sometimes you know charging on um, isn't the right thing to do, and so at the, at the moment where the market is in terms of um, the economy, well, not in terms of the economy, it's more about um, the personnel that that's available. Um, it's it's more about consolidation and doing things well in small pockets than um, than, than expansion. It's and so that's that's the core part of um, probably the next couple of years for me, and then and then from then on um, would be establishing a, um, a larger workforce that then um, we can push on into further further growth. A multitasking workforce that could be roaming, or yeah, I've got a pharmacist arriving um, in about two weeks. That's going to be doing a bit of that, and also leading. Professional services, which um, which then means that all the pharmacists have somebody to reach out to and go, hey, I haven't done this in a little while. How do I do that? And um, but equally, um, they can get out and do um, and market or or do more of the really cool pharmacy services that are starting to evolve. Which are the biggest ones being vaccines. So it was exciting. So it's like it's come a long would, way. Would, would, they, would they also be looking at, and we talked, touched on it before, around the internship and looking at the next generation coming through and how do you almost do an apprenticeship program? Is that something that's on the on your radar to make sure that, that 47% pass rate becomes 70 in your pharmacies? Um, yeah, I mean, 
make, make, making, making it easier to get the next employee, right? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've already got uh, about, I've got four intern pharmacists at the moment and I've got about wow. four next year. Um, I don't think you can alter the pass rate too much mm. um, of the pharmacists within your specific space, um, mostly because you just don't know. To be honest, when you're hiring someone, it's very hard to know exactly what you're getting. And exactly. and then there's also specific things that how they assess pharmacists that are very specific and it's very hard to know what they're going to pick out or not pick out that year or what they're going to do. And, and so you just have to have, a fa- have faith in um, a lot of the time in that intern that they're just a good person and, and they're doing their best um, and you can guide them on that journey. Um, but a, a lot of it, they've got to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. They've got a good attitude though, halfway there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so um, and they're, they're okay. passionate. Sam, it's been a pleasure. It's been, um, we, we could keep keep talking. I know there's a whole lot of stuff we, we could, could have even covered, um, but there might even be the, 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 the pharmacy uh podcast um, in the future <laughs> in the future hosted by sam who knows who knows but um he's a natural c- couple of couple of la- la- last questions um we, there's a tradition on taming the ferrets um where we have we have the book the book of questions where the previous guest has written down a question that we don't know the learned book that 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 you all uh um so they wrote a question so they've wrote a question and you oh, have wow. the chart you have the chance to write a question for the next guest um and this question is and we kind of um, we haven't seen the question, so yeah. it's a surprise to us as, as well. So we kind of alluded to it already. What is the biggest technological threat to your business? Interesting. Um, well, it's, I mean, that's easy with pharmacy. I mean, I mean, a lot of people have always talked about, um, you know, that you know that we count pills and we could get someone to count them for us. Um, and that you know, is that a technological threat? Well, I, I don't, I don't actually believe in any sort of technological threat. I think not even AI. No, nah, it's everything. I mean, like we've just talked about this whole wow, like a lot of it was just that that human and community side of things. And if without that, you know, it's it's very difficult for people to engage, especially in healthcare. Um, you know, it's, even if a robot was more accurate and diagnosed you better, you know, it's too cold or not very easy to engage with. So you think we're, we're a long way from the movie set in the future where you can, you can go to a vending machine and get your drugs? You know, oh. <laughs> why? I mean, it's, the scans. It's, le- it's legal to have vending machines for medicines in New Zealand already and they don't exist. So, um, And people have tried it um, and, and the states have tried it and, uh, and it hasn't really taken off in terms of that personal um, touch sort of side of things. It, it, so It's hard to get confidence and trust from those kind of machines yeah yeah it is Emil any any other questions for you no I think we've done really well we've covered the industry in a very short space of time and hopefully our audience have learned something new appreciate uh, the uh, the visit yeah um, Sam any, any parting final words for from yourself that any any budding new pharmacist can learn from learn, learn from or, or more importantly you know if people wanted to reach out I mean which pharmacy should they be going to Oh, I mean, any of them. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, the the biggest biggest thing is is uh, there is there's good and bad things about every job role in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing I could advise everyone, um, not just pharmacists, but does, that works really well for pharmacists or interns, is have passion for it um, and the, what you put into it. Um, you can you can get out of it. Doesn't matter what you do. 
and not only pharmacy. Anything. Anything. <laughs> uh, you know, because if you, you know, and you can find things that you really enjoy in, mm. in anything you do. Um, yeah. That was awesome. And he was almost going to mic, drop the mic. But um, <laughs> he didn't walk off the stage. Walk off the stage. Sam, appreciate that. Great final comments. Um, thanks for coming on. Taming the ferrets, and you're, you're certainly taming a lot of them. Thank you, mate. That's, that's all from me. That's all from me. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Cheers, Sam. Appreciate it. Like what you hear? Don't forget to follow us on social media at Taming the Ferrets. And to give us a five stars on your favorite podcast provider. We're New Zealand's best kept secret, but don't be afraid to share us with the world. Want to do your own podcast? Have some stories to tell? Or want to be an industry leader? Want to have market exposure via podcasts and even sponsor a show? Connect with the people at thepodhub.com for your perfectly placed presentable podcast.